Um, so tonight we're going to talk about um, generosity. Because we know somebody that's very generous. For God so loved that he gave his only. He gave his very best. And uh, so there's a bunch of things that are kind of ingredients in this and that um, I was talking with Dale Begley and obviously he was coming here to do services this upcoming week and he's not going to be here because of uh, because Satan hindered him. But he promised me, he said, I'm going to preach Sunday through Wednesday night. And then on Wednesday night, when the service is over, I'm going to tell you about a dream I had about you. So I said, you mean to tell me now I'm going to have to wait till the spring to hear about this dream, buddy? Come on. And so he told me what the dream was. He said that he uh, saw, you got to take this right. He saw money falling all over this church. And um, and so for those of you that are watching live stream and you're thinking it's about it's about money, it's it's about like we have a, a, a couple of new babies here in the church and and how you you watch a mother teach the child how to smile. How many of you know you don't slap a child to get him to grin? <laughs> right. No, no, it's Google. And you, and you do all that. Yeah. You teach them how to smile, and everything that is in this book is to teach you and I how to live a generous, prosperous life. And so we think, you know, and for years, like we, this one couple that we had in our church for a number of years, and I don't look at tithes and offerings very often, but I would notice that whenever they gave a tithe, it was to the exact penny. Like, you know, $14.27, whatever it was. And that's because we think that it's about subtraction. But it's about multiplication. But we think that God is, like, why 10%? Because John and I can do the same thing. It's not based on, we're not paying God a salary, we're partnering with him. And so he would love to increase your 10% because it advances his kingdom. But see, the, the, the mindset has always been, and that's why, that's why I think people, lots of times when they're talking about money, they get so miserable because they've never given enough to get excited. They've just given enough to make themselves feel bad. <laughs> And so, like, and, and I've had giver's remorse. I, I know what that feels like. You do something really generous. Like, the, the most generous thing we did, we've given away a couple of automobiles. But one time we had a brand new car, and we gave it to a ministry that was traveling through. And it was so exciting to do it. And let me tell you what happened the next week. Absolutely nothing. And the week after that. And the week after that, and now Paul Wilson, Pastor Paul Wilson is coming to our house to pick us up, to take us to get groceries because we don't have a car because dummy gave it away. That's what it seemed like for months. But then, you know, what God said, he said, you know, have you ever noticed it's, it's about it's about God and money. It's not about God and the devil. If he had said it's God and the devil, we could have dealt with that. Okay, it's the devil we don't want to do. But when it's money, 
And he said, he called it unrighteous mammon. And he said, if you'll, if you will trust me with that unrighteous mammon, I will give you the true riches. And after we gave away that car, all heaven broke loose in this ministry. What I mean is Ben Ben and Tammy Priest came up and we became members of the tribe of Judah. Somebody called up, a businessman from the United States called up and said, God told me to buy you a new Harley. You know, uh, Mylon and Chris Lefevre came, uh, Vicki Jameson, uh, you know, some of the people, Dennis Vicki, some of the people that we met, all the, the, well, all the people that we met after that were a result of that ridiculous generosity. And we haven't done anything like that lately. But (laughs) I know it's getting ready to cook. I know it's getting ready to cook. God is trying to make me smile. (laughs) And he wants to make you smile. And so you haven't given until you've given your own. Uh, we're not taking up an offering after this. This is not what this is about. What this is about is whenever you read anything in the Bible, it was all for you. So God, God is trying to get a harvest to you. James Can come out, came out this summer and, and helped us plant a garden. First time I've ever had one in my life. And, it, and now that I know... You know, certain things that like, you know, you need to prepare the soil better and you need those certain things to do. But now I'm expanding the garden (laughs) because I found out that he that sows sparingly shall reap sparingly. And he that sows bountifully will reap bountifully. And I'll reap in a due season if I don't quit, if I don't cave in. And so it's the same, the kingdom of God. This is exactly what he, he gave us in Genesis 8:22. as long as the earth remains. Summer, yeah, that's right. Long as, and it's still here. Summer and winter, cold and heat, day and night, seed time and harvest time will not cease. And you'll get more. This is another thing I found out. I'll get more from my sowing than I ever will from my saving. Because it's amazing when I try to save I'm not saying you shouldn't try to save it. I'm just saying when you're trying to save it, it seems like there's a thief there that came to steal, kill, and destroy. But when you sow it, you're putting it into a safe place. Right? So so I wrote this. I heard a preacher say it. I'd give him credit if I knew where it came from. It says this. Your generosity is a reflection of your revelation of his generosity. Your generosity is a a reflection of your revelation of his generosity. So, but again, why did he put in the tithe and the offering? To teach us multiplication. Like, do you think he was trying to, do you think that the creator of the universe was trying to get money from you? No, then what's he doing? He's trying to get something to you. And if he can get and I know this to be true. This is the relationships that we made from giving away that car. I would give it away again tomorrow. I would just, it, it, I was expecting a financial return and I got, he said, if, if you'll trust me with that unrighteous mammon, then I'll trust you with the true riches. The true riches are relationships that came that we could not have generated on our own. Relationships that are still going on to this day. 
I've got ministers that you would go fly across the country to go into a convention to be with, and I've got them on speed dial on my phone. How did that happen? I gave away a car. I gave away, I obeyed God and, and threw a big seed, right? So, so lack, is, lack, is, lack is not from money that I don't have. Lack is not from money that I don't have. Lack is from money that I have and that I'm not supposed to have. My lack comes from money that I have that I'm not supposed to have. <laughs> you know, watch people struggling in the church. And you talk about tithes and offerings. Well, I'll tithe when my harvest came, comes in. Well, maybe you already got your harvest. <laughs> maybe that was it. You didn't sow anything, so you didn't. If you wait till your harvest comes in, this is something that I've, I figured out about the garden. Now I have Gerald Roy, who, you know, he loves to work with wood. He is building me. <laughs> Can you believe what it's going to look like? A garden made out of cedar wood. And all this. <laughs> this wood represents this and that wood. Come on, you know what he's like. And so next year, I'll be selling corn down by the side. No, I won't be. <laughs> <laughs> and that's another thing I learned. I learned that some things that we planted, I don't need to plant next year. Kale will not show up in the garden next year. <laughs> no, it covers up everything that you want to grow. It's just messy stuff. <laughs> hmm? Well, even then, bugs eat, bugs eat the kale. Then you find out something else. Like I really like, uh, I like, uh, I like Swiss chard and stuff like that. So that stuff, you just cut it off and it keeps growing. And so I know there's a message in that too. You know, anyway, did we go to Proverbs chapter 11? <laughs> so I wrote this in the margin of uh, uh, Proverbs eleven twenty four. I wrote that sowing produces more than saving. And I'm not saying you shouldn't have a savings account. I don't mean that at all. I just know that when, and, and we got away from that, by the way, for, uh, for three or four years in this, in this church. We, we got so counting the paper clips and so watching what we were doing. And uh, we shaved a couple of hundred thousand dollars off the budget, but we shaved ourselves right out of faith and into whatever it was. And so, you know, now, now, you know, we're looking and saying, okay, we couldn't, we couldn't get our preacher to come in this fall, but maybe we ought to be thinking about sending them a big check anyway. Like I remember one time Dennis Burke was trying to get up here and they flew into New Jersey. He, he tried so hard. He flew from Fort Worth to New Jersey to Liberty Airport then he, they weren't flying out there. So then he went from Liberty to LaGuardia. Then he went from LaGuardia to Kennedy. And finally, he back and forth, driving taxi back and forth from one place to the other, found that there's just no way he could get there. And so we sent him $4,000 anyway, right? Why? Because that's what you would do to Jesus. And so, the, so let's read this verse, and we'll, and we'll see what it says here. Verse uh, 24 there's one that scatters or is generous. There's one that's generous and he increases. And then there's one that holds more, withholds or one that's stingy. 
No, no, you're either you're generous or, or stingy. And then, then you need to determine what generous is because I find that you can feel really generous until you get around somebody that is. <laughs> and then you look and say, wow, that's really generous, right? <laughs> so he said, there's one that scatters and increases. There's a generous one that's, that keeps putting it out and it keeps coming back. And then there's one that holds back more or that is thinner, stingy and it tends to poverty. And that's not necessarily financial poverty, but it's, it's kind of like, it's, it's kind of like this. There is a, there is in, in Keith Butler's church in Detroit, he has a neurosurgeon that's performed thousands of brain operations. Matter of fact, he was just on Kenneth Copeland not too long ago, Avery Jackson. And Avery Jackson said that there's a place in your brain that gets excited when you give. He said, it's like a, a, a giver's high. And I know some people that have never experienced that, but <laughs> not here. This is, by the way, this, this, this is not a fundraising discussion tonight. This is a giving church. This has always been a giving church. So we're just encouraging you to expect, if you're given, make sure that you keep the harvest in mind. And then think about this. If your giving doesn't impress you. <laughs> no, no. But when you've really given, you, you ought to be worried about it two weeks later. Thinking, wow, what did I do that for? <laughs> no, that's your generous test. Wow, I can't believe I did that. But if your giving doesn't impress you, what makes you think it's going to get God's attention? And here's something else. You know, you can read it in Luke chapter 21, I think in Mark chapter 12. Jesus stood over and watched how they gave. He didn't come to hear how they sang. He didn't come to watch how they danced up at the front of the church. He came to watch how they gave. And, th and then he gave such a beautiful illustration of how generosity can, is for everybody. Because the rich people were blowing their trumpets and giving in out of out of their abundance, and a woman with two mites or a farthing came up and threw it in, and he said, hey, take note of this. Take note of her giving. She is a generous woman, and we're still talking about her 2,000 years later. Come on. Come on. But some of those rich guys, they, they weren't. If you've got... If you've got Mercedes living and skateboard given, for example, or if you've got Rolex watch on your arm and you're good at Timex given, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's the, what keeps it level is, is it costing, and, and, and no, that's wrong, see? What I just said, is it costing? No, it's not because it's multiplying, it's multiplication. So, how much of a harvest do I want next summer? Then come down and watch how much seed I'm going to plant. Right? The more seed that I plant, and, th and then all summer you got to wait. Man, you got to wait all summer. Is that a weed or is that something that I should be waiting on? It goes like that for a long time, doesn't it? 
a long, long time. And then all of a sudden, though, all of a sudden it's like putting popcorn in the microwave. Takes about three minutes, but once you get that first pop, man, okay. Pop, 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 pop. It's coming up now. Matter of fact, we could we couldn't eat all the beans in the in the in the in in the, in the snap peas. Because only two of us eaten them, right? Well, us and the crows. The crows ate all my blueberries. Every last one, John. The cultivated blueberries. I was waiting on them. So were they. Which proves you got to keep the enemy away from your harvest. <laughs> it's not going to happen next year. <laughs> Crows, sudden death for the crows in the neighborhood. I, I don't mind sharing my bird seed with them. Okay, so, okay, are we ever going to get anywhere here? There's one that is generous and yet increases. There is one that, that's stingy. That holds on to poverty. The liberal soul or the generous one shall be made fat. And he that waters shall also be watered himself. Come on. So they're telling you. So, so, so be like Andrew Jackson said. If you, if you want to experience a real high, you don't need any marijuana. You can just be generous. Start giving. A pastor friend that I know down in the Canso area, he said he walks through the neighborhoods every day praying in the Holy Ghost. And um, down there, they got marijuana growing on their doorstep and marijuana growing on their back patio and, and all of those kind of things. And, of course, lots of them have lost, you know, they haven't lost work. They, they got paid to stay home and they're really enjoying it. But, but, but that's all that they have. And, you know, they do need prayer because... But but it's the but the church needs to wake up too. I, I mean, I, I I look at it's like Rome is burning and and the church is watching Netflix. Like these are serious days that we're living in, you know. But the church has been lulled off to sleep, and I believe with all my heart that global glory is what the, the next thing on God's agenda. And I believe this also because I remember one time they asked Kenneth E. Hagin, what do you, what's the number one thing that you look for in leadership? His, his answer, generosity, because he said stinginess will stop a move of the Spirit of God. Yeah, so, yeah, what, what is stinginess anyway? It's believing that I, if, I, if I hang on, to, if you let a, if, if we really, are we going to trust God or mammon? That's what it comes down to. Am I going to trust him or am I going to trust money? Am I going to trust him and believe that he can take care of me with through a job or through sowing and reaping, however he wants to do it. But I don't need to work 70 hours a week and sacrifice my family on the altar to the God of mammon. Now, if you've got a good work, work ethic and you're working long hours, I'm not knocking. I'm just saying that it's the motivation behind what's happening. What's your motivation? Thinking that you can take care of yourself, maybe. Anyway, let's go to Mark chapter 12. I want to show you this little lady. Mark chapter 12, verse 41. Jesus sat over against the treasury to see how they sang, to watch how they danced, to see how they ran. Now, I'm not knocking that either. By the way, 
by the way, you know, so, I think it was Goodwin, some of these famous preachers from back in the day, he said that he danced all of his prosperity into, into his ministry. What was his name, the Goodwins? Papa Goodwin. Anyway, they, and, and, uh, and then Kenneth E. Hagin said this. He said, there are some things that you'll never experience that God wants you to experience until you dance by faith. Oh, I'm just waiting for God to make me dance. He can't make you tithe. How's he going to make you dance? There's people that will, there's people that will run around the church and you're thinking, I would never do that. Well, you'll never ever get free of the people either. You'll never get free until you do it. It's not about making you ridiculous. It's about you humbling yourself. It's, a, it's, about, it's about humility because he opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. If you're waiting for God to make you laugh, come on. No, no. But again, Philippians 4, 4, he said, Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, he said, rejoice. The cell that he was in, ankle bracelets, bracelets, a little candle for writing, maybe, and turds floating down the drain past his ankles. And he's saying, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. It's not about circumstance, but what happened? What happened when Paul and Silas got in that mess in jail and they began to praise the Lord? Not only did they get free, but everybody around them got free when they were doing something that was totally ridiculous and totally out of place. And so don't, don't, don't be so much in the flesh that when you see somebody moving in the spirit that you judge it. Because you're thinking they're in the flesh, but in the fact, it's really you. No, but it is. It is. And, you know, sometimes you just have to, you, you just have to laugh by going, ha, ha, ha. You don't feel like laughing. But I promise you that if you'll do that for five or ten minutes, well, I, can, I, can't, I, I just know what happens to me. Yeah. And sometimes, sometimes only the praise and worship team knows what it looks like on Sunday morning when we look out at you. <laughs> That's enough to make you laugh too, right? No, no. Hit me up with some praise. <laughs> That's not the way it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be I'm coming in here because I'm in love with God and he made me smile. He looked at me and until he got me laughing. I didn't want to laugh. My diaper was dirty. But he kept looking at me and poking me in the cheek until I went, ah, ah, ah. This is getting ridiculous, I know. But you have to understand that everything that, he, everything that he is, everything that he does, he ever lives to make intercession for you. He's so wrapped up in you. He's saying, just do the book. Don't question the book. Do the book and watch the book do you. Maybe you're trying to hang on to money that doesn't belong to you. It belongs to him. And if you'll plant it in his kingdom, it'll grow for you. You might have to wait all summer. But when harvest time comes, amen. So anyway, uh, uh, Mark 12, uh, 41. Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld or looked at how the people cast their money into the treasury. 
Many that were rich gave much. But a certain woman, here she comes. A certain poor widow had, she threw in two mites, which is a farthing. And he called them, he called his disciples and said unto them, Verily or truly I say unto you, this poor widow has cast more in than all they which have thrown, put their money in the treasury. For they cast out of their abundance, but she did out of what she had, even her living. That's why, you know, and when you, and, and when you realize that, when you realize his generosity, and when you realize that he wants to bless people that don't know him. Like, you know, when you're in that restaurant and you're, if you, if you can't afford to give a decent tip, then you can't afford to eat the meal. No, no, think about Acts chapter 10, Cornelius, an unsafe centurion. At least a hundred men under him. The Bible says that his prayers and his giving went up before God. An unsaved man's giving got God's attention. He said, that's what it says. It was a memorial before him. That's like it was something that was planted before the throne. His giving stood, stood right in front of God. God said, hey, we got to do something with this guy. We get, we, we, this, this guy doesn't even know us, and look what he's doing. He's so generous. He's such a generous man that Peter, Peter was up on the rooftop, says that he was in prayer, but what he says, he says what he was really thinking about was lunch. Read it. So it wasn't a deep intercession prayer over the lost. He was wondering what they're cooking downstairs, right? And God put him into a trance and showed him Cornelius and his friends coming to get him. Awesome. Because of sowing and reaping. So I, I, it's just it's in my, in my mind that I want to, I remember one time myself and George Moss, we were in, uh, we were in um, Boston Pizza after a service, 10 o'clock or 10.30 at night. And George gave the woman a $10 tip. So I pulled out 20 and put it down there. So then George pulled out 40 and put it down there. We gave that enough money to pay her way through university probably before it was over. And, uh, but you know what? She was lit up. She knew we were ministers. And she said, are you coming back tomorrow night? <laughs> But, you know, like she didn't get saved that day. But who knows, someday, when the circumstances are contrary, she's going to remember those crazy preachers that gave her all that money, right? There's a purpose. Money has, money has a mission. It's on a mission. Let's go to Timothy chapter 6. I'm not going to preach this whole message tonight or any other time soon. Some messages, they just keep, they get, it reminds me of the time that Nancy, Nancy's mom cooked, Nancy's mom, Newfoundlander, cooked cod tongues. And I lied. I mean, we weren't married, we were dating, and I'm trying to impress this woman. And so she cooked up all these cod tongues. And they weren't, the, I, I like the little ones now, Joanne, I like the little ones. I, whenever I go over to Bonavista, Vista, I make sure I get the little ones when I go into, into, the, into the restaurant there, into PJs or whatever it is. But, but these were big, 
ones. And they tasted to me like salty jello. And then, then you put them in your mouth, and the more you chew them, they swell up in your mouth, right? They just keep getting bigger like this message is getting right now. <laughs> but then I made the mistake. I lied. She said, how are they? And I said, they were great. She scraped off the whole rest onto my plate. Now I'm sitting there suffering. Now, and you know, she's not going away either. She's staying right there watching. <laughs> Don't lie. Tell the truth. <laughs> It'll set you free. Yeah. Anyway, Timothy chapter six says this. It says, charge those or tell those that are rich in this world that they be not high minded not to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us, look at this, gives us richly all things to enjoy. Now he was talking to the rich people in the church and he wasn't nervous about it. But I found out this fact, this is a fact that rich, you know what rich is? 98% of the world, if you're making $40,000 a year, you've got more money than 98% of the people in the world. Isn't that amazing? That's to me that's amazing. But but I don't want I don't want to camp out on that. I, I just want you to see that because when we did Philippines missions trips for seven or eight times, eight times I think, and stuff, we realized that if you could take one of those little kids that we were ministering to and bring them here and drop them up to Sobeys up there, they'd freak out. The ability to buy all of all of the things that we can buy and all of like we truly are blessed. That's why, that's why the churches aren't full on Sunday. That's why the churches aren't full on midweek services because we're living, even though, even though we've got debt and lack, we're living a whole lot better than 98% of the people on the planet. Right? Yeah. So he says, charge those that are rich, not to trust in the uncertain riches. But to also, so, so in other words, I'm going to be generous. In other words, it's not just tithes and offerings in the church. It's whenever I get an opportunity to give to somebody. Whenever I get a chance to buy somebody a cup of coffee. Nancy and I have done this a number of times. You'll see somebody eating in a restaurant and just call the waiter over and pay for the bill. And not tell them who it did, who did it. And, and you, especially if you see somebody saying grace. I'm not talking about the headache thing. I'm talking about really thanking God for the food. You see them do that, and you, and <laughs> well, I know what it feels like to be on the receiving end of that, too. One time we were in a Mexican restaurant in Fort Worth, and we went to pay, somebody paid for our bill. Like, those are things that that you can do that that touch the heart of God. No human may notice what you've done, but God is saying, hey, they they want to represent me to lost humans as well as giving in the church. They want to, they want to, I mean, come on, God blesses everybody. How many of you know God blesses people that you know for sure? You wouldn't, right? He said, don't trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. So God is saying, I don't care if you have a gazillion dollars. 
as long as a gazillion dollars doesn't have you. Uh, he said, if you're a liberal, if you're a, general, a generous giver, I want you to be fat. I want you to flourish. My goal is for you to flourish. So that you, come on, Second Corinthians chapter 9, that you may abound to every good work. But if you're waiting for the money to come, you're wrong. You, no, the seed is in your pocket now. Start planting the seeds. I know one ministry friend that started out, he, he had $12,000 saved. And he put five in the offering, being very generous. And his wife said, double it. And so he put 10 in. Now out of his 12,000 savings, he's got two left. And since that time, a number of years ago, he's given $40 million dollars. He had 12,000 in savings, and now a few years later, he's given 40 million. How did it happen? Because he realized, hey, God's a generous God. He's given me all things freely to enjoy. So I'm just going to start, I'm just going to start flowing. Like Bill Winston, flow. Bill Winston keeps $100 bills in his pocket. I watch him. I watch him in meetings. He's walking, give you a handshake, give you a handshake, give you a handshake. And so now he owns a mall that there's a church in. How did, how did he get there? How did it happen for him? It'll happen for anybody that will do this. God's no respecter of persons. You can, wherever you are right now, you can plant, you can sow your way out of any situation. Come on, that's it. He said, he gives us freely all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distrib distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. So no, you're sowing into your life now, but you're sowing into your future also. Can we uh, look at... Um, yeah. Can we go to a couple more verses or should we? Okay, let's go to Philippians chapter 4. I'm not going to do this whole chapter 4, but I just want to look at one of the verses before we close. Uh, maybe a couple of the verses. Verse 15, he said, Now you Philippians know also, that in the beginning of this gospel, this good news, when I departed from Macedonia, no church gave me any money, no church communicated with me concerning giving and receiving, but only you. But even in Thessalonica, you not only did you give once, but you did it again unto my necessity. So you didn't just give, you doubled it. You, you, you doubled up in your giving. Not because I desire a gift, he said, but I desire that... that that fruit may abound to your account. He said, I have all in abound. I am, I, am, I am full, having received from Ephrodites the things that you sent to me, an odor of sweet-smelling savor. Look at this, a sacrifice acceptable and well-pleasing to God. When you're generous, it's well-pleasing to God. Whew. I'm convinced that, that some of the people that are backslidden, if they just sow a big check, they'd... They get right back on board. <laughs> no, when you invest money in something, when you, when, whenever you're in, you're invested in something. 
that will keep you from walking away from things because you've got something invested, right? So it's just, that, that's God's heart. But verse 19, he said, but my God shall supply all of your need according to, not out of. If I gave you money out of my bank account, you would get $50 or whatever. But if I gave you my bank account, you'd have whatever's there. So it's according to his, but look at this, his riches in glory. Four times in the New Testament, he uses that phrase, riches in glory. And so riches and glory are connected together. That's our message for this year is global glory and how to get it activated in our lives. And he's going to tell us right here. Now this word glory, by the way, and I've shared it with you before, it's the word doxa, D-O-X-A. And linguists will tell you that there's no English words to describe glory. You can't change you can't take a word, and, and, and so we call it glory, but it's a whole lot more than that. And so I wrote down some words that it is. Number one, doxa is wealth, because of what happened to Jacob in, in Genesis 31. The, the law of first reference in the Hebrew language is that you'll find the root of that all the way through. So, you know, Laban's son said, Jacob has taken away Laban's glory, his wealth. So wealth is there. Numbers are there. Believe in God for a bigger church. Not, not so that we can brag about how many people are in the church, but how many gifts are being in operation. See, the whole idea of our church is not normal either. The idea that we have for our church is that it's not a, a pastor speaking to a congregation that it's the body of Christ working together to build the, to build the body. And so, you know, I remember, and Dana won't mind me sharing this one time, he was talking about how he just got off the platform with the guitar and went around and began to prophesy and sing over people. Those are the kind of things. Maybe you would just get up and walk across the aisle and pray for somebody. You don't need to think, am I out of order? If you are, we'll talk about it later. We won't embarrass you, but because only because the Holy Ghost won't interrupt himself. But we're looking for the body of Christ to be the body of Christ. Like I've got something that Evelyn Stevens needs, but she's got something that I need. Like we wouldn't be together as part of this body if we didn't have things that we needed from one another. But that's where we need to get to now. And we're not talking about a free-for-all, but we are. It's going to be free for all, but it's going to be, you still have to conduct a little bit of decently in an order. How many of you know that? But, but it's activating the body. It's getting the gifts of the Spirit in operation and the fruit of the Spirit beginning to grow in people's lives. We're desperate for it. So anyway, oh yeah, I'm giving you these words. Wealth, numbers, commerce, power, wisdom, Promotion, superiority, dignity. Dignity is important. Dignity is how you carry yourself. Dignity is how you represent God. I don't, it doesn't, you, you need to be carrying yourself with dignity. You need to realize that you are a royal priesthood, a chosen generation to show forth the praises of him that's called you out of the dark and into this glorious light. We're not talking about apparel. We're talking about how you carry yourself, how you have self-respect. 
And because you have self-respect, others will catch on that they need to treat you that way. If people aren't treating you with respect, respectfully remove yourself from those situations. So power, wisdom, promotion, superiority, dignity, authority. Come on, we could preach for months on the authority of the believer. We have it. We don't use it, but we've got it. Nobility. Again, royal priesthood. Revelation 1.5, a priest and a king unto your God. You're noble. Splendor. Valor. Oh, Gideon, oh, mighty man of valor, when he was hiding, sifting wheat, hiding from his enemies, God called to his true identity, a man of valor, a woman of valor. Magnificence. This is all glory, magnificence. Extraordinary advantage and privilege. And again, you can find that over in Psalm 102, verse 13. You know, he'll tell you that the set time of his favor is upon you. And when he's talking about favor, he's talking about featuring somebody. That was cool. <laughs> Did you hear that? Oh, good. <laughs> Can you hear that? <sighs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. <laughs> In his presence is fullness of joy, and at his right hand, pleasure forevermore. So stay in his presence. Don't let people pull you down from your place. Ephesians 2, 6, you're seated in heavenly places in Christ. Your nobility, you have dignity, you have honor. You have valor. You deserve respect. None of these things are prideful. It's just you're created in the image and likeness of God. Jesus was never ashamed of who he was. That's why he could say in John chapter 6, when they all walked away, he turned to his disciples and said, you want to go too? If you go too, it won't change me. What you do won't change me. I know who I am. That's total freedom. That's why he said in John 8, 31, 32, continue my word, be my disciples. Know the truth and the truth will make you free. When you know the truth, you're not moved. You know, Paul said it this way. Thank you for delivering me from the people. Thank you for delivering me for what people might think about me. Then now I can serve God and be free. And some people won't like you. Have you noticed? Some people, no matter how sweet you are and how nice you are, they're never going to like you because the spirit in them doesn't like the spirit that's in you. And you get the Holy Spirit wall to wall. You're special. Turn to somebody and say, you're very special. 
We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.